yeah, great, great to be here with you this morning. Um, I do feel like uh, part of the family a little bit. Last time I was here was really great. Um, I got to embarrass some of the people in the front row. Um, what's your name? Chloe. Chloe. It was Chloe's birthday last time I was here. Hey, Erin, how you doing? Uh, and I got to embarrass her. And is that your sister behind you? Yeah, it's your sister, eh? Yeah. So I won't embarrass you today, Chloe, but um, Chloe's sister, whose name I also don't remember, um, told Chloe this morning that she thought I looked like Justin Timberlake. Um, and she also, she also told me that I look like I'm in my mid-twenties. So I really love coming to this church. Um, God bless you. Um, I love that. I uh, also just want to uh, honour you, Pastor Steve and Bev. Um, bless you for... Um, uh, Pastor Steve uh, grew up with Matt um, in Dargaville, as, as Emily said. Uh, we went to high school together, and Pastor Steve just opened his home um, to all of us little rapscallion youth um, back in the day before I knew Jesus. Um, and you've, you two have just played such a huge part in my faith journey, so I just want to honour you today um, and all you um, have done and continue to do. I've heard you finally retired. Congratulations. Um, there's a job going at Alpha, actually, uh, if you're interested trying to find like an events fundraising. I don't know if that's, yeah, just think about it. Anyway, um, anyway, so uh, after the other great thing about coming to this church is that I don't actually need to talk about Alpha so much because you talk about it so much um, and I feel like it's already been plugged enough. So it's fantastic um, just hearing the different uh, testimonies um, and different things that have happened. So God bless you for that. Um, but those of you who um, I haven't met yet or who maybe weren't here last time, uh, my name is Matt Gould and I am the Church Engagement and Youth Development Manager at Alpha New Zealand. Um, and I had the privilege uh, to share last year um, and was so surprised that I got invited back um, this year. I mean, the amount of times I accidentally swore in that last sermon and you guys let me come back is so good. Um, so bless you for that. That's a joke. That's a joke. It's okay. I try to tell jokes a lot, all right? I'll have a straight face. Most of the time I'm joking. All right. Uh, last time I was here, can we get our slides up, my friends at the back? Cool. Thank you. Uh, I mentioned that I have one wife. Um, her name is Alicia. Um, together we have um, a daughter, Noah Grace, uh, who's five now. Uh, and we were expecting our second little bundle of financial hardship um, a couple of months later, uh, and I'm pleased to say there he is up there. Um, he, uh, that little money funnel was blessed on us on the 26th of April. Um, that's actually us preparing uh, for my granddad's funeral. Um, no, that's us before Christmas, just joke. Um, and uh, yeah, that's, his name's Jude, uh, Jude the Dude, um, and he's cool, and that's his sister up there, um, Noah. So anyway... Uh, after giving that, um, oh, sorry, I've also started an art business, which has nothing to do with anything I'm saying. I just want to promo it. Um, so, hey, come follow me on social media. I draw art with little tiny circles. It's real cool. Anyway, after giving that beautiful synopsis uh, of uh, our newest child, you may be surprised to know that today I'll be sharing uh, with you about reaching the next generation. Uh, and uh, you may be even more surprised to learn that this is something that's hugely uh, passionate uh, on my heart. As Josh mentioned, we've been in youth ministry for long enough that if when I started youth ministry, I had a baby, that baby would be able to run the youth ministry sort of like 18 sort of years old at this point. So I've been around the block uh, in this space for a while. Um, I'm, I'm hugely passionate about it, but I'm even more hugely passionate about empowering you uh, to be passionate about it and about you doing the work. Uh, there's a scripture in Ephesians 4, verse 11 and 12. It says, Christ gave uh, people like me uh, to equip people like you to go and do the hard work. Um, 
It says that. You don't have to go look it up. It's fine. It's all good. You can believe me. That's what the scripture says. Um, that's a paraphrase, but it's totally biblical. All right. God, Christ gave people like me to, to equip people like you to go do the hard work. So please go and do the hard work. Um, now, before you switch off and start thinking that this is a message uh, for young people, uh, for the youth pastor, uh, the people that aren't you, um, let me just get a show of hands in this room. How many of you are under the age of 29? Okay, great. How many of you are parents to someone who's under the age of 29? Cool, okay. Uh, how many of you are grandparents or great-grandparents to someone who's under the age of 29? Yep, okay, we're seeing a pattern of here. Okay, how many of you know someone, work with, see on a regular basis, see at church, someone who's under the age of 29? Yeah, okay. How many of you didn't want to raise your hands because you hate when people do that? Uh, almost got you. Almost got you. Uh, I respect that, though. I'm like that guy. Yeah. Anyway, my point is that, yes, some of us may be more passionate about reaching the next generation than others, but we all know someone who is part uh, of the next generation. And so we all have a responsibility to lead them, uh, guide them, care for them, love them, understand them. Uh, even if you are one of them, you have that responsibility. And that's what I hope to share with you today, that through Alpha, uh, we can reach the next generation. Uh, we all need to play our part in reaching these future generations. Uh, and we do that by reaching them, not in the same way that we were reached, but by understanding them and understanding how they see and respond to the gospel of Jesus. And so you might be thinking, well, why should I care? Well, the reason you should care, I'll give it to you straight, because these are our young people. These are our, young, these are our kids. These are our family members. Number two, whether you like it or not, Gen Z, which is the young people under 29, Gen Z and Gen Alpha, uh, they are changing not only their world, but they're going to change our world. Uh, and we have a responsibility to influence them to make wise choices so that positive, constructive change happens for all of us. And because if we don't make the effort to reach the next generation, especially in the Western world, the church, as we know it, will die. Got a bit heavy there. Sorry, that's not a joke. That's serious. Uh, like many of you, I've finally reached that age. Uh, I'm not in my mid-20s, even though I do look like Justin Timberlake. Thank you. Uh, I've finally reached that age where I don't understand all the slang that the young people use. I'm not sure how to make a tickety-tockety, or whatever it's called. Thank you. Yeah, that's, that's what I meant. Uh, and if I could actually afford a house in Auckland that had like anything even remotely resembling a front lawn, I'd probably be telling kids to get off it, okay? That's at the age I'm at. Um, not possible always uh, in Auckland, unfortunately. But there is one thing I know, um, and it's this. The things that I don't understand about future generations are not things that I can't understand. They are things that I choose not to understand. And it is not the next generation's responsibility to teach us things that we choose to be ignorant of. It's up to us to learn those things. And I think on that note, we should pray. Lord, we thank you uh, that you are here with us today. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would move in and through uh, the words that I speak, that you would bring change to our lives and you bring change to our actions as we look to reach future generations with your gospel in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as, uh, as we start, I should mention that I don't know most of you. I don't know uh, what, your, uh, what you do in your community. Uh, I don't know a whole lot about what your church does in terms of kind of reaching um, different generations, but I do know uh, a lot about what works. Um, and the purpose of this presentation is to offer um, some well-documented facts about, um, about reaching them. 
This will either encourage you in what you're already doing, uh, or it may convict you in what you're not doing. And either way, this is not a judgment uh, for you to take personally. Um, it should be taken in, in the context of uh, what we need to do as the capital T, capital C church, the church as a body, okay? Uh, so if after this uh, message you do feel a uh, deep, heartfelt conviction, good, good, that's great. Um, but today I do want to focus specifically on Gen Z, so the generation that have been dubbed the open generation. Um, before we get too much of a deep dive into that, though, I thought it might be helpful uh, for us all to be able to visualize what I'm talking about here when I say Gen Z. So here's a breakdown of how generations are measured and understood. And so um, you should just take a note that it'll say on this next slide that it was all stats from 2020. Um, I don't have a current stat of uh, percentages, but it gives you the right idea at least. Um, so firstly, how's that looking? Good. So firstly, uh, there's sort of the silent generation. They were born between 1928 and 1945. Uh, these people were 74 to 93, made up roughly 5% of the global population uh, in 2020. Their leadership style was known as controlling. Uh, now, controlling sounds bad, but these people grew up in a time where war uh, was happening, World War II, um, and so the style of leadership that was needed was controlling. Go and do what you need to do because that's how we need to do it. There wasn't room for argument, there wasn't room for anything like that. Controlling doesn't necessarily mean a bad thing in this context, it's just how the leadership style was for that generation. Then came the baby boomers, 1946 to 1964. Um, they were aged 55 to 73, just add four years to all the ages on this. Um, and they made up seven, or they make up 17% of the population, their leadership style is directing. Uh, this is how a lot of our business world is shaped today. Um, it's, the, it's the, um, the boss's jump, and the employees say, how high? Uh, the director it, um, is how big corporations a lot still run um, today. Then came Gen X, uh, often called the forgotten generation, because most people, including a lot of that generation, uh, forget where they are. Uh, they either lump themselves in with the older, um, uh, sorry, the younger um, boomers or the older millennials, um, born between 1965 and 79, 1979, uh, aged 40 to 54, they make up 20% of the population, and their leadership style was coordinating, um, like an I will organize it and help you do it. Millennials followed, uh, that's my generation, Gen Y, um, born 1980 to 1994, um, aged 25 to 39, and making up 24% of the population. Their leadership style was guiding, as in let us walk with you and show, us, show you the way. Then came Gen Z, who we're talking about today, the open generation, they were born between 1995 and 2009. Um, age 10 to 24 and making up 25% of the population. The leadership style is empowering, meaning they encourage other, each other and believe in what they do. And then finally, after all that came Gen Alpha. Um, that's what a lot of um, sort of my aged people, a lot of millennial um, and older Gen Z, their kids are now Gen Alpha. Um, that has nothing to do with Alpha, Alpha, like Alpha, Alpha. Um, that's just what they've been called um, globally. Uh, sort of go, you know, X, Y, Z, and then it goes back to the Greek alphabet of alpha. The generation after alpha will be beta, beta, beta. Um, they are not yet actually finished. I think 2025 will be the cutoff for them. Interesting fact about um, Gen Alpha, they're gonna be described, their leadership's looking like it's gonna be inspired as inspiring. Um, and they will actually be the biggest generation to ever exist in the history of the world. And then we're gonna start seeing a decline after that, which is really interesting. I, it's my fun fact for you today. Cool. Uh, today, though, we're focused, as I say, on Gen Z, uh, the open generation. Last year, we had the privilege of presenting some really in-depth research um, to the Church of New Zealand that came from a global leadership study. 
um, done by a, a company called Barna. Uh, they interviewed almost 25,000 young people across the globe, including 700 from right here in Aotearoa. Um, and 700 doesn't sound like a whole lot, but when you actually look at the stats of some of those areas, um, you know, 700 for a place like per capita of New Zealand is actually really good when you think only, say, 1,000 were um, taken from Canada and the United States. Um, yeah, um, I mentioned earlier that uh, Gen Z are called the open generation is because they're literally open to everything. Um, nothing is off the cards for them. Uh, the good news about that is that they're also open to the good news. So it's really cool that um, we've got a generation of young people coming up who uh, in New Zealand specifically there's about 60% of the next generation are open to uh, knowing more about or learning about Jesus. If you walked into a room of 100 young people and said, hey, who wants to know about Jesus? About 60 of them are going to go, yeah, let's talk about it, which is really cool. Um, well, I just lost all my notes. Uh, it's, I did lose all my notes. Jeepers, sorry about that. Um, so what's the catch? Um, Remember how I said that Gen Z have an empowering leadership style? Well, empowerment isn't the same as encouragement. It's, about, it's also about relationship, and relationship is a two-way street. Uh, if we want to enter into their, into their sphere of influence, we have to enter into their world and understand them, and that's important. Uh, so we can help guide, uh, nurture, and influence. And it doesn't matter if you're leading them, parenting them, or even one of them, understanding them, how Gen Z works uh, is the most effective way of reaching them with the gospel, and it's going to be the most effective way of getting them in and staying in your church. So let me give you some insight into their world based on the Spana study. And as we go through this, remember that this information uh, is not theory, it's not being pulled from nowhere, um, but this was generated from the answers that they gave themselves to a global study. It's really interesting. Um, the old normal, this is Barack Obama, former president, uh, the old normal wasn't good enough. You, you don't have to accept the world as it is. You can make it into the world you, it should be and could be. You can create a new normal. This is the world that Gen Z have grown up in. This is uh, what they have been told. And not only do they hear it, but they believe it. Uh, and not only do they, do they believe it, but they're actually doing something about it. They don't have to accept the way the world has always been. They can say, actually, I can change my world and I can change the way the world goes, um, which is exciting and really scary at the same time, right? <laughs> Unafraid to confront unjust policies and unfair norms, Gen Z is on a mission to right these wrongs. From com combating climate change to challenging the lack of gender equality, this generation is hoping to solve macro problems. Gen Z get labeled a lot. Um, people call them soft. People call them snowflakes. Oh, these kids are just snowflakes. They're so soft, you know? Anyone guilty of saying that? I am. Yep. Um, the thing is, uh, about snowflakes, though, is that individually a snowflake is really soft. A snowflake is uh, brittle and easily broken, but a snowflake, when moving in force, is powerful. Snowflakes, when they move together, close streets. They shut down schools, they shut down buildings, businesses. Snowflakes, when they're united and moving as one, is an unstoppable force. We call that an avalanche. And because the world is more connected than ever before, Moving in force is what Gen Z do at incredible speed and with incredible power. Gen Z are concerned about and focused on fixing the issues that we face in the world. Extreme poverty, global uh, climate change, sexual abuse, unemployment, political corruption, 
pollution, mental health issues, racial injustice, the list goes on and on and on and on. And every country and every area and every uh, different young person has uh, different ideas of what the biggest issue is that they want to fix. Uh, I should mention here that uh, observation does not meet correlation. Okay, so these are umbrella facts that have been presented and are being presented to you. Um, please don't come up to me after the, after the servants and say, I'm actually not like that at all, or my kids are not like that at all. I get it, every person is, is different, but this is kind of like a, a global, this is what the average does, uh, looks like. Um, here in New Zealand, uh, you can see that the biggest, um, greatest concern amongst young people, um, not surprisingly, is mental health. Um, you can see the same uh, as the case up in Canada, um, and you can see the same as the case in Australia, which, let's be honest, it doesn't surprise you about Australia. They're always trying to copy New Zealand, aren't they? Honestly. <sighs> Just get your own ideas, guys. Have your own concerns. Jeez, Australia. Aussies, anyway. They can't win a World Cup, so they just follow us. Anyway, so what is the church, though, doing to address these things? These way, the way that these young people are thinking. What are we doing as a church, and what are you doing as an individual uh, to address these things? Uh, Gen Z and brands. Brand choice is an extension of who they are um, and what they stand for. It's personal. Gen Z believe that in the wake of COVID-19, that brands have a responsibility to help build a better normal. You can't just have packaging that's not going to break down anymore. You can't just build a brand that doesn't stand for anything. What, is, what does that look like in our context? What does that look like in the church? What is the brand that we carry and how does that influence our world? Um, what are we doing to address that? Gen Z, this is a weird picture I know, sorry, but Gen Z want authenticity, not perfection. Uh, they don't want to see the fake burger dressed perfectly with a single drip of mayo down the side like I grew up watching. Uh, they want to see things like people being caught in candid moments eating KFC. The days of Instagram and putting up your perfect life are not effective anymore. What's real? How are you being real with young people? It's, I mentioned earlier it's that two-way street of, of being able to share who you are, but we want to hear who they are, and they want to hear who you actually are. Not, not come to church and everything will be perfect. Come to Jesus and your life will be perfect. Because you only got to be a Christian like five minutes and you realize that's not true, right? Um, they want the realness of who we are. Gen Z are the super creatives. They're the ones who can create content quicker than, and easier than ever before. Um, they can create videos on TikTok and, and learn how to program from their phones. It's crazy. Um, and they can um, do it in groups, they can do it individually, they can do it at school, they can do it at home. Uh, big corporations have figured this out and they're using it to appeal uh, to the way Gen Z think. And I'm gonna um, load up, ask to load up a clip at the back there. This clip is really, really interesting that's coming up. Just listen to the language that's being used. Listen to some of the things that are said. Um, can we play that clip? usually a lot longer than that. That's all right. Anyway, the clip goes, um, is going through all of these famous 
athletes and things like that. And they, uh, the words that are spoken, spoken through there, you would have heard some of them there. It says, the world needs an answer. Give us an answer. Creativity is the answer. And then later it goes on to say, creativity is an answer to a world divided. The final concluding, um, it finally concludes with the statement, creativity is the answer, now over to you. And it shows um, Pharrell, who uh, some of you may know, he's a singer, um, he's famous. Anyway, he's standing there and he goes, uh, you know, creativity is the answer, now over to you. And he hands the microphone to the screen, like it's over to you. As in, you are the answer to a world divided. You are the answer um, to what's going wrong. It's brilliant um, because they don't ask throughout that whole clip. You can find it on YouTube, and I can probably send out my slides to you guys um, later in the week. At no point do they mention any product in that ad. It's an Adidas ad. They mention nothing about Adidas. The logo is barely shown for more than a second at any point in that clip, but they make it look really cool. Gen Z want to be empowered to create things. They want to be empowered to make the world their own. And so what are we doing about that in our context, in our, in our church context, in our own context with our young people? How are we empowering them to create the world that they want to create in a way that's uh, formulated under Jesus? Gen Z are finding it harder and harder to engage in the life of of the church, whoa. Uh, and as their world changes and the church life doesn't, they find it even harder. Uh, there's a post up here, you may not be able to read it too well, um, but it says that um, it's a post from um, a blog called Humans of New York. Uh, and this is a young person quoted as saying, in my church you're either Christian or possessed by demons. We have services four times per, le- per week, luckily zoning out looks a lot like praying. I'm not saying that I don't believe any of it, I just have a lot of questions that nobody will answer. Whenever I ask a hard question, they just show me a Bible quote that says I shouldn't ask questions, and it doesn't make sense to me. She goes on to say further down that it's just too much. She's talking about life. She says it's just too much work. I didn't sign up for this, and when you finally die, instead of everything stopping, you have to become conscious again. Heaven doesn't sound that great. Supposedly, there's a lot of singing and and trumpets. That sounds exhausting. I'd rather be sleeping. It kind of sounds funny, but the reality is if we can't engage young people to understand the reality of heaven and we can't create a space in the church community, it doesn't have to be on a Sunday morning, but a space within the church community for young people to be able to ask questions, to listen to me speak, and then afterwards be able to come up and say, what the heck did that mean? Then they are going to see church as a place, as just another place that actually doesn't care about their opinion or what they think. And they're never going to actually fully understand the reality of heaven. They're never going to fully understand the reality of their salvation. If we don't make space for open, honest conversation, a place where, we, where people don't have to simply listen but can ask questions, then it's very likely that we're going to see more and more church doors close permanently over the next few decades. We need to give young people opportunity to ask questions, but before we can do that, we have to create space where young people can feel comfortable and encouraged, knowing they won't be judged or turned away for doing so. The Barna study study, showed that few people believe that he is active and can be interacted with 
in the world today. What you might find shocking is that Christian Gen Z are almost on par with non-Christian Gen Z in their beliefs. And so we've got to ask ourselves, what are we, uh, who's responsible to teach them about this thing? Like, some of this stuff is, is amazing. Like, 61% of Gen Z believe that Jesus was crucified. Why is, like, 39% of Christian Gen Z don't believe Jesus was crucified? Like, that stat looks really good, but there's a chunk missing there. And down the bottom, he is active in the world today. 30, only 32% of Gen Z globally, Christian, like committed Christian Gen Z, believe that Jesus is active in the world today and he wants to have a personal relationship with you. That's scary. Fortunately, uh, it's not all bad news. We can smile at the end of this. Um, Gen Z who are committed to Jesus are in a significantly better headspace than those who aren't in many of the areas shown here. Meaning that when a young person is committed to Jesus, they will have a more positive outlook on life. And if you look at those, I'm happy with the friends I have. You know, I look forward to the future. I feel I am important to others. I feel like people my age treat me well. Committed Christian Gen Z, head and shoulders, have a better outlook on life. And what's that better outlook on life? We'd call that hope. And hope's powerful because hope is attractive and hope is what gets people through the door. It gets people interested in what we want to, uh, in, the, in the message that we bring in Jesus, yeah? Amen. It's gone. Awkwardly quiet in the room. It is still very low, yep. It is a very sad stat, yep. Yep, I agree. So knowing all of the information that I've just blurred onto you today and made you feel really (laughs) about things, uh, what do we do now? Uh, We reach the, the good news is that we reach the next generation um, through an age-old tradition that some of you may be aware of. You might be familiar with the word. Um, It's called evangelism. Yes, we already do this, right? So it's good. Um, here's five things that we know that work for Gen Z, and, and it's really important that um, you understand that for the next generations, the days of, um, uh, you know, there was a season where you could stand on the street and, and preach and share God, the gospel and say, come to Jesus, and, and it worked, and people did that. For the next generations, that's not going to be as effective, if effective at all. But the first way we can evangelize to the Gen Z, um, non-Christian Gen Z are most, are most likely to say that they'll be interested in learning about Christianity if Christians were less judgmental of, the things, of things like their personal beliefs and lifestyle. Time and time again, we see this generation valuing listening as an important part of evangelism. So if you can sit with a young person, whether it's your kid, whether, it's, um, whether you're a teacher in school, uh, whether it's one of your friends um, who's the same age as you, if you can sit and just listen and understand their perspective, that's huge. You don't have to actually agree with it at all, um, and they don't have to agree with you at all, but you just need to be willing to say, yeah, okay, I understand what you're saying. Number two, mutual understanding. The majority of teens feel that the best outcome of faith conversations is gaining a better understanding of each other's point of view. Amicable understanding and care is a crucial step. You can find Gen Z, you'll find a a committed Gen Z Christian sitting with a committed Muslim, sitting with a committed 
atheist, if you can be a committed atheist. Can you be a committed atheist? Whatever. And they will sit in a room and have an amicable conversation about all their different perspectives, and that's really great. Because they won't change each other's opinion necessarily, but they can have a mutual understanding. Number three, healthy disagreements. Exploring disagreement is often a step on the path to understanding and connection. For this generation, disagreement does not equal relational conflict, which is really great. Your Gen Z can get really angry at you and be like, ah, I disagree with you completely. And you'll be like, man, I stuffed that up. If you've got the relationship with, you, with them, most of the time they'll come back and you can keep having that conversation, which is really exciting. Safe relationships. Most teens agree that conversations about faith perspectives are most effective when a significant relationship has already been established. In other words, trust comes first. Who has the most um, established relationship in a Gen Z's life, do you think? Parents. Parents. Grandparents. Yeah, absolutely. Grandparents and parents. You have a trusted relationship. That's Family, we'll say, we'll say, we'll put, a, we'll put an umbrella term. Family have the most trusted. If you've got Gen Z young people and Gen Alpha young people in your family, you have got the, the most effective um, and most established relationship um, that to, to build trust on. It's a safe relationship, okay? Work with that. Uh, and then finally, words matched by action. 50% of Christian teens believe that letting your actions speak as a way to explain your faith is an act of evangelism. And furthermore, 55% of non-Christians find allowing a Christian's actions to speak, uh, to explain their faith, to be appealing. Authenticity is very important to this generation. So if you come here on a Sunday and you lift your hands in worship and have a beautiful time this morning, and then I go out there and someone cuts me off and I toot the horn and flip them off, not letting my actions follow up with what I believe in and what my words say, right? So our actions are really powerful to this next generation. The core question young people lean into isn't, is Jesus real and trustworthy, but is the way of Jesus good? Teens need to see that the teaching of Jesus are both true and good. Um, and I think that's really powerful there. Knowing Jesus' teachings are real and trustworthy Seeing that Jesus and his teachings promote good in the world around me, I'm not sure. All teens, Christians and non-Christians, you can see those stats are very, very similar across the board. Um, as I'm here uh, representing Alpha and Alpha Youth this morning, um, I can tell you that um, our courses are actually designed um, to reach Gen Z. Um, we've got a, a brand new youth series coming out uh, later this year, which will be um, aimed at specifically Gen, Gen Z and Gen Alpha, um, and they're in the process of cre recreating the video series that we have um, already, which should be out in the next year or two. Um, all five of those points of evangelism can be hit by running an Alpha, um, because it works. Uh, the stats we've looked at here today, uh, just a snapshot of the overall data that Barna um, showed, and let me tell you that I was shocked and excited when it was presented. Um, as I realized that uh, Alpha, I don't mean to like toot our own horn, but I'm going to. Alpha is actually, uh, so this is an out, Barna's an outside company that did this research, and they sat and presented it to us, and I sat there and was like, everything you're saying, the way to reach Gen Z is just run an Alpha. Um, and it was really exciting. And so, um, this tool is already designed perfectly to reach the next gen, gen, generations right where they're at. 
so use it as a church. Um, use it at your work, at your home, at your school, young people. Just use the tool. It's free. We don't charge you anything for it. We never will again, hopefully. Um, but it's free and it's effective. And it helps people uh, want to discover Jesus. Um, but more than that, uh, I pray that you feel a little more equipped today. I'm bringing this plane into land, by the way. Uh, you, you feel maybe a smidge convicted, which is good. Uh, but most of all, I feel like you ha- I pray that you have a whole lot of hope for future generations uh, and our world um, and the future of the church this morning. Sometimes the greatest changes uh, that we can make are not great changes at all, but simple, small, consistent changes towards a better way of doing things. And as we do that, we as Christians in the church as a body will be seen the way Jesus always intended us to be seen, loving God, loving people. It's just that simple, right? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you for um, their willingness to um, sit uh, under these words and uh, patiently and, and gracefully um, listen to, um, to these words. And I just pray that um, this word would be seed planted in soil, like those young people who've planted a garden, but they don't quite know what they're growing yet. I pray that uh, in our hearts this morning, we would have the same, a garden planted and seed um, being scattered, and we would just see what the fruit comes of from this, we pray in Jesus' name.